Hello friends, Jazza here. Rowan is dealing with some stuff at the moment, so I have gallantly taken the reins to steer this here gay ship. That is why we missed an episode a couple of weeks ago, but we should be making that up over the next few weeks and months, so don't you worry. You'll continue to have the same great content, but this time with a guest hazing me rather than Rowan. This week, I'm joined by returning guests Nova and Olympia, and we will be feeding some cool folks into your ears very soon. Thank you very much for your understanding, everybody. Now, the episode. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema. You did so well. One glorious genre at a time. Oh, I'm Olympia. And I'm Nova. And I'm Jazza John. Oh, look, each episode we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's <laughs> genre is Queer Halloween. Queer Halloween. Bit very, slow there, Jazz, a bit slow there. Very good. I'm t- wow, I wasn't I didn't come on here to be told how to run this podcast. Thank you very we much. We haven't been on this podcast before, have we? she would forget at time of recording the wa strike has ended but sag aftra are still continuing to strike so we're continuing to support the striking actors and are not covering any struck work luckily a24 exists and have agreed to all of the strikers demands so we are going to be doing a few of their films for the next few episodes this episode, I'm joined by Nova and Olympia. Hello, girls. Hiya. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the Zuma slasher farce Bodies, Bodies, Bodies from 2022 for our Halloween special. Girls, dare I ask if you are fans of Halloween? Don't like it. <laughs> I think we're so into Halloween, it's almost to our detriment. We we do so much for Halloween and we're always so exhausted afterwards. But yes, we, we do enjoy we go a so spooky gay time. Overboard. I mean, our, we've modelled our house after the Haunted Mansion and we're quite happy with that decision, aren't we? That sounds like we built this house from the ground up. That's not the case they at all. They don't know. Uh, no, not at all. It's just, you yes. just reskin it, essentially. So yeah. I'm very happy to have Nova Olympia back. They are a dynamic digital drag queen duo who the alliteration been... yeah, yeah yeah you're welcome i did gcse english i know how to do these things <laughs> they were guests of ours back a few episodes ago talking about the things that made them queer and i'm very happy to have you lovely ladies back but before we put on our led face masks and lie down in a gymnasium floodlit with red light girls what's the gayest thing you two have done recently well, I just want to make a little speech here. Jazza, first of all, thank you so much for having us back on the show. It's I've been basing my whole week around this. Oh, listen. Oh, well, we were talking about this. I don't know. I think it's very difficult to ask a couple of drag queens what the gayest thing they've done specifically. Yeah, because like, where is the bar? Where do you start? So I was trying Why, to think if... I guess, is gayness relative? That is the question. <laughs> oh, no. Are we going to get a bit heavy? It's Saturday afternoon. Well, listen, I have an answer. You're, you're... You go ahead. You land go ahead. it, land it. Go ahead. I finally, a couple of weeks ago, got round to watching the which I very much enjoyed and I cried twice oh poor sweetheart (laughs) well well done for you for being in touch with your feelings I cry a lot though like at films and tv so it doesn't take a lot it's pretty embarrassing oh do you know what I did I'll get this well I did a parody and it was of a German lady called Naomi John and I donned prosthetic lips which i've never done before (laughs) and i just thought you know what she's got massive lips and sometimes you can sort of draw them sometimes you can't so i bought these lips 
Oh, online they were called botched lips, which I thought was a bit rude. But I put them on and I, I, I was just sitting there sort of languishing in a <laughs> in a, an Alyssa Edwards-esque stupor in front of the mirror with these <laughs> lips on. And it was, you know, it was a moment. I just, I soaked it up. I enjoyed myself. Am- uh, amazing. I love the idea of you just being there in front of the mirror, taking yourself in with these ridiculous lips. I can't wait to see that video. It's not up yet, is it? Oh, yeah, it's fake fun. It's been up for a while, Zalan. Has it been up? Okay. No, yeah. All right. Well, no, I, um, I'm not actually <laughs> that interested mind. in the content you make. <laughs> um, Never mind. Oh. Uh, you're meant to ask me what mine is now. Thank you. Oh, don't care about that. What is, first of all, I, we haven't seen you in a while. We were just talking before we started about your, sorry, that's our cats. About the fact that you've, you know, shaved your head and suddenly got PSD as you very much look like someone who might feature in This Is England now. I feel like that in itself is kind of counteracting that like the shaved head is quite a mass thing to do, but then piercing the ears, it's like, oh no, this is too mask. I have to gay it up. Well, but what, what do you think is the gayest thing you've done in the last, in the last month? No, thank you for taking those two things away from me. Those were the gayest things that I've done in the last... Uh, I, guess, oh, no, I guess combined. I suppose You've... combined it's quite gay, isn't it? It is. Well, this is the problem. I was told by some friends as soon as... So I went from like 14-inch hair to like basically skinhead. And one of my best friends from home was like oh, I am a little bit worried around you now because you do look like a white supremacist. And the attempt is to have like a little bit of queering that up with like some styling and stuff like that. But I am very bad at styling in general, as I'm sure you girls know. Oh, you only have to open your mouth though and people will suddenly feel more at ease. No, exactly. I'm, I'm very deliberately codifying myself as a massive gay. But the two ear piercings, they're not quite, I need something dangly at some point. In order yeah. to be able to just go full Pat Butcher, get like a big dangler. Yeah, a massive dangler. Maybe a couple of giant hoops. That'll be fun. Oh, no, um, don't do that. I'm not sure about that. No, That's a bit that. much. You just need like a really gay, like, tattoo somewhere very visible, like on your neck or something. And then people oh. will be like, oh, maybe just the word gay, like on your neck. And the then people gay. will know. Gay, just stamp gay on my forehead. That'll do the and job. And then people will it? know, yeah. Lovely, excellent. That's the well, least you could do girls. now that you look so <laughs> frightening. <laughs> oh, intimidating. Very fun. We will be giving, as always, a little chat about this film's themes, specifically the nihilism of Gen Z. We'll then be splitting the film into three acts for your convenient consumption, of course, including the party and its aftermath as one of those acts, because for some reason... That is a consistent theme throughout every single queer movie ever made. We're then going to give it a score using our rainbow flag, patented rainbow flag method, which is more... Com- it is, I'm is not it patented? To actually. No, it's not patented. That is right. that is a joke. So you're a liar. I've so many questions about this rating system. It, it baffles me. I'm actually really worried about getting to that point and having to explain it to you because it yeah, it's I deceptively don't, I don't complicated. Well, when we when we get to it, I'll explain how I understand it. Because Olympia Amazing. thinks I have it wrong. Well, <laughs> I've already poss- decided. Very to, possible, actually, to... knowing your two track records. Yeah. We are everybody going to be spoiling this movie. So this is for people who have seen the movie or don't care about the movie being spoiled. Spoilers! Um, spoilers! Spoilers! The bodies! 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 <laughs> that was quite good. Thanks. So, without further ado, let's. Open and bottle champagne with a sword, but being sure to swipe it away from us rather than towards us. And review mm. bodies, bodies, bodies. Review, review, review bodies, bodies, bodies. Luther, shush. <laughs> shush. 
God, it's so annoying. Stop it, or you'll go upstairs. Yeah, the the cat will definitely understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so before we get into the actual body of this movie and the plot of this movie, I wanted to talk about something that I think Hollywood is kind of still struggling with at the moment, and that's how it portrays... Gen Z. So I watched this movie twice before doing this episode, not bragging. But the first time I watched it, I found a lot of the Gen Z kind of like terminology that they were using, the way that it was portrayed, I found it very funny. As a millennial, I do like to laugh at people who are younger and less experienced than me. The second time I watched it, I feel like it's now shitting on Gen Z and like their characteristics of for example, taking terminologies and experiences, flattening them and generalizing them and overusing them. So phrases like toxic, calling people psychopaths, invoking ableism and racism when it's not necessarily relevant to, I guess, everybody being murdered in a house. What did you think about the way that the movie showed and displayed like Gen Z as a, as a people, as a culture? Do you know what I thought while I was watching this? Because I knew this would be kind of a conversation point during our discussion today, Chazza. And I feel <laughs> like when in trying to sort of consider what makes Gen Z what they are, and obviously what the movie is trying to say that they are, which is overly kind of offended by things and, yeah, shitting on them, that wasn't really the issue I had. I just thought it spoke more to teenagers in general. I don't know if it's necessarily... Gen Z that because I certainly uh, you know I'm not I'm not a member of Gen Z but I can remember you're, being, you're Gen X right I don't know what, what am I I don't know <laughs> millennial a millennial you're... that's that's the one before isn't it 1990 millennial yes you're a millennial <clears throat> Jesus Christ do you exist in this world I don't I don't know any, uh, anything about these things but I can remember being overly sensitive to certain mm. things possibly and I feel like I can remember my family in particular talking about an older cousin I have who is the generation previous. And there was a lot of discussion about how her and her friends were also very, very sensitive to things. I don't know. To me, it just felt more that it spoke to sort of teenagers in general mm-hmm. being slightly on their high horse. I don't know necessarily if it's too specific to Gen Z, other than the fact that Gen Z now possibly have access to more language that other generations perhaps didn't because now obviously Twitter is so prolific or I'm sorry, X. I'm not doing that. We still call it Twitter. Let, Do don't know. Don't dead name Twitter. It's going to come back as Twitter soon enough. Oh, let's all bam, be honest. Bam. Let's hope so. Maybe we can put together a Kickstarter, see if we can fund it. But I feel like I've got a, a point across there that was very valid and probably quite interesting. So would you like to add? I just want to kind of expand upon this because I took this less as a commentary on Gen Z and more as a commentary specifically on the wealthy Gen Z, on the privileged Mm. and the divide between those who aren't as privileged and are privileged, because there is a big division between the characters. Uh, Would you call it the lead, B, B, who does not have this affluent background that everybody else does? There is a stark contrast between these two types of character. And And interestingly, B is the only one, she's the only working class one, and she is the only one who actually kills anyone. She mm-hmm. kills two people in this movie. Spoiler. Because she's um, not just all talk. I very much felt like the privileged group were kind of overcompensating and that was why they were taking offence for things because their lives are so beautiful and so shiny that they have to try and create their own oppression. And you do see that a lot. So I think it was a very specific 
part of Gen Z in this film. That was my interpretation of it, at least. Yeah, I think you're both onto something there. Specifically, Limp, I'm very impressed with your take. Thank you very much. Yeah, I do. I do as well. Um, so the the director <laughs> Helena Rain described her characters as she, uh, she said my characters are almost intellectual bullies, but a lot of the words they're using they haven't lived. They say trigger, anxiety, ableist, body dysmorphia, mental illness. They have all of these things in their mind, but they've never actually experienced them. And I think it is true that we're representing just generally the anxieties of what it's like to be in your early 20s, to be stuck in a friendship group, maybe that you just happen to be there because of your social circumstances. Mm. You've grown up together. You haven't necessarily chosen to have these people actively around you, which is where I think a lot of that tension comes from, especially at the beginning of the movie before the bodies start falling. And I think that there's this weird thing with the way that younger generations are portrayed especially in like hollywood movies and stuff because they're very rarely telling their own stories very rarely is somebody going to be in the position in their career in like their early to mid 20s where they're gonna be able to fund the telling of their own generation Mm -hmm. and so it gets told by generally the older generation in this case probably millennials and i feel like the only time well not the only time but one of the most prominent ways that an artist, a creator has been able to tell their own generation story at an early age is Lena Dunham and Girls. Sure. And I think that's one of the most authentic, at least where it's at its best, I think it's one of the most authentic portrayals of the millennial experience from like your early 20s, from the early noughties. And I do think, I don't know, there was part of me that thought that this movie didn't really like gen z very much it felt very judgy i don't know if you felt that at all it felt i mean i thought it was funny is that because i'm not gen z possibly which someone from like your sister for example is opinionated and in a good you know in a good way and i wonder if <laughs> oh no, i'm glad you added that that could have started a family some, argument sometimes in a not good way though she does say some stupid things some and she s- she is I don't even care if she listens to this. She knows I say this to her all the time. She she <laughs> she does fall victim to some of the pitfalls that the character Alice, for example, would fall into. Like she'll say something because she's just parroting something and doesn't fully understand it. Less and less mm. as she gets older. I think the But I have noticed that before, and that is a hallmark of that generation. He is. And I'll tell you what I did really appreciate. Well actually, intended. Is when Pete Davidson's character, which he was David, right? Yeah, he calls out the the girlfriend for using the word gaslight, which I think is it, uh, the word sociopath is also thrown around in yeah. a way when they are just because they're toxic very, as well. Well, toxic is a bit broader, but I think a sociopath. I mean, just because someone might be a bit of a dick, I think sociopath gets thrown around when it's a very specific mm. set of characteristics that a person has to have. I think to be. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, a it's a mental disorder. Exactly. Yeah. And gaslighting again as a very specific form of manipulation again someone just lying to someone is not necessarily gaslighting so and just basic reverse psychology or guilt tripping is also not gaslighting, gaslighting. It's very, so yeah. i will agree that i think because a lot of young people will see a word like gaslight and they'll be like oh if i say this it, it might seem like i'm winning a conversation i i, I appear to be educated I'm not winning just the um, posh twat who's living off mummy and daddy me. So look I at my language that. i liked mm-hmm. that when pete davidson called her out i can't remember the what she's 
specifically said whether or not that was an example of gaslighting. I imagine probably not. And that was the whole point of that. Uh, no, he was, from what I remember, he just is being a dick to her. Yeah. And he that's went not on gaslighting. And, he went that's on in that monologue to not come across very well, I, I remember. Like he ended um, that coming across as a dick. But again, you know, that generation is... I think Friends, the TV show Friends, came under heavy fire by by Gen Z. It still does today. It's very derided for the fact that a lot of the, the characters are, you know, millennials loved Friends. People loved it. But the characters are not very nice people if you really break them apart. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I mean, Monica being completely neurotic and selfish is why it's funny so it's kind of like the, the trying to separate the fact that this isn't a real person. We don't need to be like, oh, this is awful. You don't need being to celebrated. like them. That's the point. It's funny because they're they caricatures. Are caricatures. Of, yes. And yeah. so in bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah. All right. That that character probably does exist. You know, not maybe in quite an extreme way as as. Common. But that is the but point. It's, it's funny. It's right? a culmination of like all the worst parts into one caricature and you are being invited to laugh at that or at the very least perhaps being invited to reflect on yourself and Jasmine, perhaps... you're very on the pulse you know you're very on on the beat you're very sort of woke aren't you so did you find this funny or were you slightly did you do you consider yourself to be sort of you know humorless i i i, I... <laughs> With, uh, without a sense of humor. Were you funny um, or offended? Let's cut the crap. Let's get down to facts. No, I, was, I wasn't offended by it because I didn't think it was... <laughs> I didn't think it was about me. Although so I about did, you. <laughs> I, did, I did see the character of Alice and specifically when Alice talks about how stressful it is to run a podcast, you have to have... You have to invite people and build an audience and use a Google Calendar. It is very stressful and I've never related to a character Yeah, but then you don't, you don't bang on about... My, I didn't even know you had a podcast. Uh, two podcasts. I, I, you I do. You. You're spreading yourself a bit thin. <laughs> that whole thing with Alice's podcast where she was ranting about that, though, I... I didn't disagree with her but again it goes back to this is completely self-imposed and self-inflicted this is something that she could just give up she chose to do this this is not something that she's born with this is not a struggle that she has to face Mm -hmm. it's a self-imposed struggle so again like that really sets that kind of difficulty and stress apart from everyone else and then she got shot in the head so she's dead now anyway excellent no dead now excellent shall we shall we go in and start talking about the plot of this movie go Go for it lovely so as we go through and review the movies on the Queer Movie Podcast, we like to split them into three acts because honestly it makes my note-taking easier. I'm opening this first act with a classic of the genre, which is The Party and Its Aftermath because it, it literally is the whole movie actually, and this is very often the case, the whole movie is The Party and Its Aftermath and the consequences of that party. Anything else that you would have liked to have called this opening section at all? Are we? Oh, is this going to be like a, a chronological like series of yes. sections? That I, then I wonder what the other two are going to be because that yeah. is like the whole film. You might as well have called the first one the movie, and what the hell's the second two? Oh, honestly, Jazza. Let's let's wait Should and we find call out. Them? No, excellent. No, thank you, thank you so much for playing along. I really appreciate it. We open with. I thought it was very nice that they did explicitly label this as a queer movie by having two women making out very intensely at the beginning of the very film. Very sapphic, very, very sapphic opening. Incredibly, wasn't it? incredibly sapphic. There was lots of uncomfortable eye contact and then a very quick, I love you, which seems a bit quick for me. And then um, the awkward pause of, you don't have to reply straight away. 
Well, it's a good job because she's clearly not. Yeah, so these are our two. They are going to end up being our final girls. They are B and Sophie. B is an Eastern European young woman. And Sophie, she's just come out of rehab, has gotten clean. And they're going on their way to a party with some rich friends that Sophie has. B has never met them before. And they rock up to a massive mansion. And very importantly, before they go in, B leaves the mirror light on, which obviously is going to drain the battery so they don't have a form of escape. We know that everything is going to go down here. We also are introduced to the rest of the crew, everyone who's going to end up dying. We open up with Sophie walking up to the pool and everybody is holding their breath underwater. We're introduced to Jordan, who is an ex of Sophie. Pete Davidson, who confusingly plays David, whose house this is then we have his girlfriend emma and we also have alice who is the podcast owner and the guy that she's known for two weeks greg yes good excellent they're introduced how do you think that they're presented in kind of like these opening scenes anyone in particular that you had your eye out on you thought was going to be the final girl you thought was going to die first i mean eyes on greg for obvious reasons what are those obvious reasons my god you prejudiced so and so i mean have you seen him because it's creepy. Oh, oh he's on. beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant because he was significantly older. Oh, well, that as well. But also because he's <laughs> he's a beautiful human man. But yeah, like I was, we the first thing we said was like, wow, he's a lot older than the rest of them. That's creepy. All eyes on B, obviously. She was framed as being as such an outsider. I mean, how many sort of horror movies, or I wouldn't necessarily say it's a trope. Maybe it is when it's some, a bunch of characters are introduced and someone is meeting a group of people for the first time and you see it through mm. their lens. So I thought B was obviously going to be a final sort of girl. And I did not care for, uh, Sophie was just very intense. It God. all felt very, very awkward straight away because Sophie suddenly becomes a whole other person than we've seen for the beginning sure. of the movie. Like a totally different personality that we haven't seen. Almost ignoring this girlfriend that she's just told that she loves and has been like, couldn't peel herself off of her. And it also, we kept getting little hints very early on that was she really friends with these people? There is some beef here. There is some backstory. Yeah. There is some undertones here. This is weird and awkward. And B knows nothing about any of this. And Alice, yeah. when Alice jumps out of the pool and she's so surprised that Sophie is there, she immediately gives off that energy of, you know, when you may have once had an acquaintance and you run into them and they go, oh my God, we should sign me up and go to the cafe. Ah! And you're just like, I will never see this <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. It's that and false energy that just means mm-hmm. immediately that none of surface them surface really, level niceties yeah, awkward because none of them really like each other do they oh god no it's... they're just thrown into this by circumstance yeah. and they're all going to get locked in together we're teased that there's going to be a storm that's coming they're going to be stuck in this mansion there's worse places to it's be it's a great stuck, setup though i mean the setup come on now i was yes. i was immediately hooked oh, i was hooked yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Turning Mafia into like a real actual murder mystery. Fantastic setup. I do really enjoy this. Um, uh, we get it set up uh, by uh, uh, Greg. Well, no, Alice comes out with an expensive bottle of champagne. Greg grabs a sword from a wall somewhere and does that thing where you slide the sword across the neck of the champagne bottle and it pops the top of the champagne bottle off and they all have some things. That sets up the sword and, and those kinds of things very nicely. And we end up, there's some partying happening. 
you see B kind of like navigating around, being around all of these new people. There's a group of them all learning a TikTok dance and B kind of sandwiches herself in and tries to be part of that group. They, they start talking. There loads of people are doing drugs at the party. There's space cake. There's plenty of alcohol. Everything's flowing. Everyone's having a nice time. And then Sophie suggests that they play bodies, 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 which is basically... It's mafia. Is this what Gen Z call mafia? I didn't understand werewolf? the game. I won't lie to you. I didn't get. Have you never played Werewolf or Mafia before? I've not yes. even heard of these games. But yeah, I didn't fully understand this either. I got the concept of it, but then like, how are you telling someone that they're murdered? Are you just kind of like grabbing them, going, "You're murdered"? Like, how... you tapped them on. You tap them on the back. Yeah. See that bit, I wasn't sure because I played Werewolf that involves sitting in a circle. And yes. closing your eyes and stuff. So I was a bit, the, the sort of walking around the house bit was a nice touch, but I was a bit confused about the rules of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd have been dead first, essentially, is what we're saying. Well, no, unless I was chosen to be the murderer. No, no, of course. Emma is very worried. Pete Davidson's girlfriend is very worried because everybody ends up arguing. This is kind of like a classic trope of these kinds of games that are like more psychological. They require you to be dishonest with the group. But they start playing bodies, bodies, bodies. Actually, before they start playing bodies, 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 they are taking shots and slapping each other. We did not I, understand God. this. I also do not understand this. Is this a preamble to the bodies, bodies, body to each round of bodies, bodies, bodies? I don't know. Well, they do it every single time, don't they? Every round they were they were doing it, and I did not get it. It's because they were they were going fucking hard do you as know well. What, I remember being, you know, a youth and drinking, <laughs> and there was one incident where we all kind of tried to reenact scenes from like EastEnders or something as some kind of pre-drinking thing where we all kind of smacked each other. And I just, I, I, I don't think it's a, a Gen Z thing again. I think it speaks to how young people, when they're just drinking, everything is just so intense and so heightened. And mm. I especially know, if you're just, on Coke. I just think they thought <laughs> it was like edgy, didn't they? Like you just make out with anyone, wouldn't you? And you, we probably still do, Jazza, if you can get a look in. Yeah, no, I'm not tied down, let's be honest. <laughs> okay, well, we don't need to talk about that now, do we? No, there's no need. Let's keep it clean, please, Your girls. autobiography would not be called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. <laughs> <laughs> this was also the second or third time that the entire group looked at David and did a, oh my God, David, you're such a dick. Like, what are you doing? There was a few things where he had done that. And this time it's when he just fucking punched Greg in the face. Oh my God, yes. He completely sucker punches. Yeah, Greg. which was so like violent and weird and un called for but it was clearly just like a giant pissing contest with the men like he was so yeah, threatened he, in his own home by this he's good clearly guy threatened by in. him we've had it teased throughout the um the, the beginnings of the movie where he's talking about yeah like i think i'm i think i'm hotter because i look like i fuck yeah Greg doesn't yeah. look like he fucks and all of that kind of stuff so that is planted um, pretty early on that there's like insane jealousy there it's just very strange, because they're supposed to be what? Like early 20s, this group of people, right? Yeah. Apart from the one Lord of the Rings dude. But they're like early 20s. <laughs> so I feel like maybe there were so many examples of sort of arguments and and just weird shit that I feel like maybe, yeah, in my early 20s, you would have just kind of sit there and been like, oh, that's weird. Let's just hope that everything then suddenly becomes great. Now, I feel like you, you wouldn't, you just go, you'd be like, you guys are fucking weird. This is so, I'm going to go, I'm going to check out. Again, though, Which I think exactly the drugs, what, yeah. the drugs and alcohol really affect how you would respond to that. If you are, if you've just eaten half a space cake. Oh, how would you know the milky bar kid? <laughs> I just, I 
think drugs would really affect the way you would react to these situations. I don't know. Well, they they do one round of, of bodies, bodies, bodies. Greg gets killed. He tr- pretends to be dead for a little bit. And I genuinely think that this starts off with a guy in his 40s dying of old age. And that's kind of like the, the, the jokey bit of it. But no, he is just joking. Nobody in then their 40s big... dies of old age, Jazza. <gasps> no, but the... don't they? No. Don't they? No, because that is not old age. <laughs> We'll wait a couple of years for you and then we'll find out. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. So he, there ends up being kind of like a a big blow up between him and Pete Davidson's character where Pete Davidson, this one line that really rubs me up the wrong way. He says, hold on, this is a teaching moment because Greg says the thing of like, oh, the best defense is a good offense. And he realizes like, oh, David is just fucking with him. And then... Limp, what you were saying, Greg does decide because he is, what, 20 years older than everybody else? He does decide just to leave. Just to like, check it. Which is 100% what I would yeah, do I nowadays. Yeah, I think that was very believable. I, yeah, 100%. So they continue to slap each other. Oh, no, we, we get a, a little bit of a fight before we go into the, the first death. We have Pete Davidson just being a dick to his girlfriend, really like chucking her on the floor when she mentions Max, who is another character who left the night before. We think because that there was an argument between him and David. He ends up saying that, oh, she's just an actress. She doesn't actually ever feel anything genuine and that she just parrots stuff that she's seen online using phrases like like narcissist. Like this is the gaslighting monologue. Yeah, yeah, this is the, yeah. Th- that bit. And so everybody decides to to murder Pete Davidson in the game. So he has to wander off. The girls start slapping each other again and doing shots for whatever reason. And then they all go off into the next round. The lights are off and we're following B this time. B wanders off into what looks like a conservatory or something like that. And we're jump scared by Pete Davidson's bloody body whacking against the glass door with blood gushing out of his neck. And we have our first death. What were your assumptions at this point when we saw this first, the first death of the night? I will say that I don't think we are generally very good at plot spotting. I don't, we, I don't sort of like toot my own horn that we're great, that we guess the endings of movies. We come up with some dumb shit that's just never the ending. But I think... Even, you know, as as a collective group, I think we all had kind of sussed, not necessarily at this part, but fairly early on that it might have been an accident. I can I can tell you when it was, but it's not it's not yet. At the moment I took yet. this for face value and I thought there's one of them's gonna be a murderer, this is gonna be fun, but classic. I, my thinking was he was walking out in literally a storm. The whole point of this movie is that they're having a storm party. And if he's outside in Gale Force Winds, there's nothing to suggest that something couldn't have flown past him. I was thinking of the Desperate Housewives episode. With the tornado. <laughs> Do you remember that? That was terrible. Yeah, that one chick, Christ. when Sylvia gets lifted into the air, that was bad CGI. But they, I, I, I was thinking there's a very real chance that there could be an accident which starts off this, this chain of events. I hadn't thought that yet. Mm. It was, oh, what was, what's, what was his girlfriend's name? Is she Emma? Emma? It was Emma's death that made the room start to suspect things. But we can talk about that more when we get to it. If you I like. agree. That was that was when I also cottoned on. I'm also famously Rowan is the one who, like five minutes into a movie, will understand how it's. We'll already know, we'll know like, how it's ending. going to end. My grandfather um, could do that. Yeah, I am not 
good at that. So I go into this being directed very blindly by everything being set up by the narrative. And I fully think that it's Greg or Max has come back and murdered them. Yes, that's so, what we were thinking. Because this character of Max has been set up and we hadn't seen him yet. Mm. I think that's what I was thinking. I was quite pleased that Pete Davidson's character was the first one to go. Because that was oh. quite surprising. Because he's arguably one of the biggest names in this film. And they killed him first. So I quite enjoyed that because that was a surprise. I thought he would last longer. Mm -hmm. So we, everybody rushes out, finds Pete Davidson's dead body, bleeding to death. And then Jordan, the kind of like headstrong, almost like takes on the, the leader, calm under pressure role. She finds the sword, the bloodstained sword, and they assume that somebody has used the sword to kill heat so they the the lights have gone out at this point there's no reception and it is the the lack of wi-fi that maybe creates this heady experience and makes it even more stressful for these poor generation zeds who are so addicted to their phones and they can't function in a in a world where they can that's a really unfortunate aspect of modern movies is that there has to be a setup which means that there's no mobile activity I don't know if As that's... if horror can't happen with a phone in your hand. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know. No, but they also checked the landline and that didn't work either. Yeah, I but... think it's the same principle. I guess it's it's been that way for a long time, but there always has to be some kind of setup where you you can't just kind of like launch into it. There needs to be some sort of explanation. I would give it credit though, because this setup was the reason for the party in the first place that brought them all together and the reason why they were so fucked. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we find from the the group the only person who isn't the only two people that aren't there are Max who we don't meet until the very end and Greg who went to bed after having that conflict mm. with with Pete Davidson everyone decides to go and look for Greg and this is where I start act 2 <laughs> Hey everybody, an ad read for you very quickly before we dive into the rest of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Ravensburger. Indulge in the timeless pleasure of assembling Ravensburger's extraordinary jigsaw puzzles. Ravensburger premium quality puzzles are crafted with meticulous attention to detail, bringing you an unparalleled puzzle-solving experience. With a rich heritage dating back to 1883, Ravensburg puzzles have become an integral part of families' lives across generations. Share the joy of puzzling with family and friends, knowing that your cherished puzzles will stand the test of time. Enjoy a mindful moment and immerse yourselves in a world of captivating colours, stunning imagery and intricate designs that will delight people of all ages, regardless of your preference or skill level. You can find a jigsaw puzzle that suits you perfectly thanks to the wide range of imagery, themes and piece counts available. You can start super, super small and work your way up to over 40,000 pieces, which is a little bit bananas to me. If you're up for that challenge, then why don't you go and shop Ravensburger on Amazon if you like today. We are also still supported by Squarespace, who can help you, dear listener, buy a domain and create a website. We always talk about how much we love using Squarespace for our website creation, giving us access to analytics, the creation of email campaigns and connecting all of your social media presence in one place. 
the design features really do make everything more accessible when you're building a website. You don't need to know any coding whatsoever and you can get all of your beautiful text and images aligned brilliantly so that you can make your website look very, very, very sexy. We know you hear a lot of your favorite media and podcasts and stuff offering discount codes, but we'd really appreciate it if you considered using ours. If you're putting together a website for like a campaign or a wedding or something along those lines, it would really help us out and keep the queer movie podcast going. So go to squarespace.com slash queer movie. And when you are ready to check out with your domain name and or your website, you can use the offer code queer movie to save 10 percentage points off of your first purchase remember to go to squarespace.com slash queer movie now back to the show and i have called act two but he's a libra moon and that says a lot <laughs> that was exquisite work i think that was exquisite. we really enjoyed that <laughs> the character of alex which is played by rachel senna really has all of the best lines the all of the other alice. all of the other actors alice <laughs> to say Alex um, has all of the best lines in this movie yeah. like I would be if I were part of the cast I'd be incredibly jealous of her but this really was exquisite we're finding out that she's only known him for two weeks and so they go and try and find him they see that like some stuff that in retrospect isn't actually that weird but he has a go bag in preparation for the storm we assume a map with uh, the area that they're staying in circled and they become really suspicious of him because nobody really knows him they go and find him in a gymnasium it looks like a squash court and he has like one of those led masks that you see advertised on instagram all of the time Mm. Um, what do they do uh, what is that it's anti-aging something. Oh, something. shut up. Isn't it like, that? Oh, yeah, I can't remember, but it's, uh, I, I, don't, I think it's like pseudoscience. Oh, people buy any old shit, don't they? I think the reason that they, that, that they give in the movie is because he has like seasonal affective disorder or something like that. Like he, that makes he, sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you, it? it's UV, so you get more vitamin D. Like that's, what we, that's why we're happier in the summer. So, I mean, whether it works or not, who knows, but the, the theory makes sense. Sure. So it all escalates very quickly. They confront Greg. Greg is very bad at reading the room, runs around, is quite erratic, pretends to be a werewolf while playing werewolf, and it all gets a little bit too much. He takes a knife from Jordan, and then B bludgeons him to death with a kettlebell. She twats him with a with a giant. I mean, what is that? A kettlebell. I, yeah, I think it was a yeah, kettlebell. Ever been to a gym? With then? a kettle? Now, have I been to a gym? What do you think? <laughs> Do you know the bit that, 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 I mean, listen, you watch a movie, you take it with a pinch of salt. I'm not as bad as you are terrible for this. Every five minutes, well, that would never happen. That's unrealistic. Take it with a pinch Mm -hmm. of salt. But the bit that really irked me here was that there are, there's a significant amount of blood and he never stops to say, oh, actually, hang on. What the fuck is that? Because of the red light. What red light? That he can't, he can't see because the gymnasium is all flooded in red light. And so he can't see any of the blood on everyone. Well, no, but we you can, can still see staining on we their can clothes. See it. Yeah, but you can't see that it's blood. Yeah, but you'd be like, well, why are you covered in marmite? You'd be like, what's that? Yeah, well, one of them maybe... has a huge gash on her forehead, just like a huge red. Again, I go what? back. To, I go back to marmite he's, on her head. He's had a lot to drink and he's taken himself to bed, so maybe not quite like with it. 
I find this whole scene very frustrating, not from like a filmmaking point of view, just like the, just to watch. And I think you're supposed to, because I felt like these girls, there was such mass hysteria here. They were not giving him a chance. He did not understand what was going on and did not defend himself properly. I didn't understand the character logic of him then grabbing the knife and wielding that about to kind of understand taking it away from them. But then like, don't, look like a threat if you're trying to make sure. out that you're not a it was threat. Trying to de-escalate. And I also didn't uh, understand why B then just fucking killed him. Like yeah, right. that was strange. That was strange at that point because we don't know anything about it. It came out of nowhere. Well, it was really odd. you believed that he was threatening and he had the knife and because his behavior and you was that strange. he's murdered yeah, yeah. You yeah that's quite an extreme David. thing to do to just kill someone in cold yeah, but blood it's fight or flight isn't it? it he's a big strong guy and I she suppose. was like a little pissy russian bird so she's got to twat him with a kettle <laughs> um Bul- bulgarian so we they end up obviously tensions are high everyone's panicking they for some reason they decide to do xanax to calm themselves down and then they decide to do more coke yeah because those are a classic mix aren't they alcohol as well like wonderful mixture very irresponsible drug taking if you ask me so we find out a little bit more so jordan is like well he deserves to die he's the most likely person to have done it out of all of us because he's a veteran and (laughs) alice goes i never said he was a veteran he's a veterinarian he's literally a vet's assistant and we maybe some of the decision making that they have made as a group is starting to unravel a little bit. <laughs> that was um, such a great bit. Yeah, that, that was, was really so fun. That was it's all... it's very fantastic. Wait. So everything's getting a little bit stressful. Sophie has we know that she's been sober for a while, and so she has relapsed. Sophie has an argument with Emma, Pete Davidson's girlfriend, again calling her basic. She never actually wanted liked pete davison's character she just was comfortable in a thing like all of those classic things and then but at this point i think pete davidson's judgment of her earlier that caused everybody to kill him in the game all kind of is justified she does just parrot a load of things that it sounds like she's just heard on the internet she says you're toxic you're so toxic she doesn't actually have it doesn't sound like she's able to articulate an original thought in any way, shape or form. Pete Davidson has also said, you always think that everybody is in love with you. And when Sophie goes off afterwards to be able to try and resolve things with Emma, Emma thinks that Sophie wants to make out with her and she kisses her. And that's, it's it's a very odd Yeah, this girl's not all right, is she? She's not all right. She's not all right. She needs a little bit of help. Yeah. That tried to make out with her. No. That was Emma. It was Emma. It was Emma. Yeah. So Sophie has found some some pills of something in, I think, a Cluedo box. Very nice touch there, film. And she shares whatever the whatever this drug is with Emma. We then hear a scream and a thump, and we see Emma. So Alice finds Emma's body after we assume she's been pushed down the stairs. This is my favorite dead face. I think this is the most horrific dead face of the whole. It's the, good. The wound on her face was was peculiar because at first glance it it would have seen it would seem that she was sort of attacked with something. She had a very strange, almost like an axe to the forehead type wound. I imagine that mm. she'd hit her head on the banister. Yes, but I feel on the banister uh, or the skirting board. Yeah, the skirting boards. It was nice mm. that there was a little room for. For interpretation, that, yeah, yeah, they they can't completely let you know it was an accident. This was where this was the moment though. We watched with two friends, and this was the moment where one of our friends said, 
oh, this could so all just be circumstantial. It could all just be circumstantial accidents and they're carrying on like idiots. And that was where I think it was myself or we we then figured out the rest of the plot. And we were like, I bet you David was trying to recreate that champagne thing. Mm. And we this is where we I clocked said, the whole What plot. if he walked past like a fence that fell on him, something to do with the storm. And then that's when you said, unless he tried to recreate the thing with the machete. Because he was oh, very clever. Isn't she clever? And it was just, from that point on then, it's a shame though when you do that. Like it's it's obviously just nature, isn't it? Was it? Still, it was still fun. But yeah, I wish we hadn't clocked that. <laughs> Did ruin it a bit. It was because the blood splatter looked so much like she had fallen down the stairs. Oh, like the staircase. Yeah, right. Like yeah. the Netflix one, didn't yeah. <laughs> So the, the rest of the group. So we now only have Jordan, Alice, Sophie, and B who are remaining. Everybody else, dead's the doorknob. So everybody starts turning on B because she is now the, the most unknown quantity in this group and they chuck her out into the hurricane where B ends up finding some underwear uh, of Jordan's in the car, suggesting that Jordan and Sophie have hooked up again. There's a weird uh, thing and- between B and Jordan throughout this as well. I don't know if we've touched on that, but they have a vibe and it's, it's really strange, especially when we learn about like Sophie and Jordan's <gasps> history. The fact that Jordan is like kind of coming on to B and B kind of seems to like it is, is strange. She sniffs the panties. I'm sorry to be so... Yeah, she also has some moment with her bra. She it's sniffs just the like- panties as if to be like, well, I don't recognise that scent. No. This is where I enter into the third and final act. And I have called this act... Don't call her a psychopath. That's so ableist. Yes, well, quite, quite right too. <laughs> quite, quite right. <laughs> so, uh, B finds the underwear and then sees Jordan getting a gun from a drawer that is owned by David's parents. She crawls in through a giant dog flap. That's a weird like a dog, dog flap. Tunnel. That was very it weird. It is very unsafe. Rich that is, people. Like, Rich people, it's going to make you very easy to rob, but I guess if you're rich, it doesn't matter. This is also where um, the idea that maybe there was a killer, maybe it was Max, because it has set up the idea that actually anybody could have accessed this house at any time. Yeah. Jordan confronts B when she returns to the rest of the group and says, I googled you, I couldn't find anyone who graduated from the university that you said that you went to at the same time. And then it all unravels, B has kind of like lied a little bit. She only went to this college for one semester. She doesn't have the job that Sophie thinks that she has. So there has been dishonesty there, but it's because she was trying to put up a front because her life is maybe not as stable as the rest of the cast. B explains that she's had a hard time because her mother has borderline personality disorder. And then this really is where the Alice character peaks. And I was yeah, sad was that great. we lost her at the end of this. Alice says, it's so important to talk about mental health. And I've never told anybody this, but I have body dysmorphia. And then everything just starts unraveling from this point. Alice gets gets criticized for saying that Sophie has a coke problem when nobody said anything about David having a coke problem. And, and it's just like, well, I'm... I'm an ally and I... That was very... It was so good because you could just see every... You could see that the cogs trying to turn in her brain. They're just not quite turning correctly. Not just not getting there. Yeah, it was great. We then then find out that Jordan has been hate listening to Alice's podcast. The podcast is B-Ask, what's your podcast about? (laughs) 
now of all times what is your podcast about see and alice says it's about hanging out with your smartest and funniest friend jordan groans and then they have continue her to have a big argument alice is throwing stuff like you say that your parents are working class your parents are upper middle class they teach at a university jordan says it's a public university. And then Jordan decides to shoot Alice in the leg. Quite right, too. I would have done the same thing. This argument specifically, though, shows, again, why I think this is a specific type of Gen Z, because they are arguing about who's, like, more... The most oppressed. Yeah, who's more privileged. Mm. It's it's They're all wealthy. They're all affluent. And exactly, they're all looking to be oppressed. And I don't think your average Gen Zer would necessarily have these kinds of arguments. Well, certainly not to that degree. And Alice flip-flopping the amount of time she does. She can't decide who she's actually offended more at. And every time someone brings up another point, she immediately goes, oh my God. And then she changes to having sympathy for them. And I think it's though it's... egregiously irritating. It's a sign. On site. Alice is kind of like a, a representation of the rest of the group because the rest of the group are also all so hypocritical they all Mm flip-flop they're all bitchy behind their backs but they kind of do it in more of a sly way and alice just doesn't have the wits about her she's so wears her heart on her sleeve and that's where she keeps tripping up on herself because everyone else is just better at this game than she is yeah we after this argument this level argument we end up with the most stressful scene in the movie oh my god by far wrestling they're wrestling with a loaded fucking gun mm. and we know how this is gonna end but i'm just there anxiety ridden watching this thing happen alice ends up getting shot in the head this actually it's it was the the silence that happens after it because alice is such a verbose character mm-hmm. and then she's the one that dies she's shot through through the throat instantly killed and then the silence after it almost blissful actually <laughs> jordan grabs the gun and Sophie and B kind of like wrestle with her to try and get the gun off of her. B does the second actual murder of the night and chucks Jordan over the banister. Jordan has already been saying, I've been fucking your girlfriend to B. And the last words of Jordan before she dies from the impact of falling down the, the banister. Check her text. Check her text. Can you imagine your last words being check her text? I mean, really, just priorities. Who I found, I found that side of things a little bit superfluous. Like there are more important matters at at hand. Like the cheating thing, I thought was a bit like, is that your dying, your last dying words? Check her texts. Oh, they're all just so vacuum. Yeah, what would your last words be? Like world peace, Balenciaga, washing machines, (laughs) live longer with Calgon beautiful both of those better than check your texts uh, we then so we have our two final girls it is b it is sophie b does not trust sophie because mm. she already has an idea that she's been cheating on her and b runs away from sophie and uh, and hides it's the next morning the storm has blown over and we see b wandering through the mansion now flooded in daylight you see all of the carnage the dead bodies Everything that has been smashed and broken, blood everywhere. It almost feels a little bit like waking up in your house after a party, to be honest, girl. Yes, quite. Right. Yes, exactly. And Well, you we... could always help with the cleaning up. There's no pressure. I literally cook breakfast every time I come yeah, over. Yeah, we don't so eat it. Up. We don't eat it, though. No one <laughs> eats it. It's just some protein shit, like half a nut or something. We end up with Sophie finds B, and then they have a little vessel, not for the gun, 
but for the phone that contains the texts that Jordan and Sophie may have had. We, they plunge into the water, mirroring one, mirroring one of the opening scenes that we had now in a filthy pool. And they come out of the pool and they see, next to the gun, Pete Davidson's phone. I did find it very funny that they use Pete Davidson's dead body, dead face, to open the phone. Yeah, yeah. And they just have to open his dead eyes mm. a little bit so that it... I, I did really enjoy that. And they see the TikTok video of him attempting to slice the top off of the champagne bottle in the mimicking of Greg. And they find out that everything has been for naught. No one, no one was deliberately killed apart from the two people that be killed. And then Max arrives and the power comes back on in the house. And the last line of the movie is B saying, oh, I have reception. <laughs> I loved that last line. I'm so glad it didn't end on what happened because that would have been a nice touch. But when she just casually gets yeah. the ping on her phone, and she's just like, I have reception. I just thought that was so cute. The bit that really aggravated me, though, at this point, again, it's priorities. If she's wrestling the phone away from you, do you need to look at it? Yeah, you already know. You, know you what's already know. Going when on. she threw that phone away, you don't need to go after That's it. That's the proof you need. You don't need so to. But annoying. also, like, there are several bodies in this house you yourself have bodies killed, bodies bodies you have killed two people unless why is your immediate course, priority that this girl has cheated on you i don't understand unless of course that there was any kind of thought in her mind that jordan and who was the, who was the one sophie the and sophie had had been in cahoots somehow because we had a small discussion at some point about if it wasn't an accident are those two secretly like on doing something together? They might be in on it together. That would have been cooler. So, you, but you might sort of conceive that she's trying to look at the phone to find out some other information that isn't to do with cheating. But it, yeah, that bit was a bit could have done without that. And the phones—I don't know—the phones working so easily as well in the mud. I know that's just a little tiny bit. Well, some of the newer phones aren't they? They're good at that. I do yeah. need a new one actually. Yeah. Mine's quite old now. I struggle to open mine when it's not muddy and dirty, so right. I should probably get a new one. All right, Christ alive. So that's that is the end that's the end of the movie. We're now gonna go in and rate this movie oh, and no, see if I'm actually able to No, I'm I'm actually quite worried about me having to explain how this works. So Shall I, shall I tell um, you how I understand it and then you correct me? Yeah, go on. So I take it as there are six colours, so we're like rating it out of six. But yes. we're like assigning each point a specific color according to like how we think it aligns with the film. So we could say like, oh, I give this a three out of six, but which specific three are we giving? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh so my God. Like, we're using the six barred rainbow flag. Broadly, each of those colors do already have meaning assigned to them. So red means life or sex. Orange is healing. Yellow is sun. Green is nature. Blue is harmony. Purple is spirit. You assign a number of bars. So your score is out of six. And then you say which of those bars you would well, include in the... Why don't we try okay. and work this out together? What score would you give it? I'd give it a solid four. I was going to say four. Well, obviously sun, because it's a very sunny film. I don't think I would... Actually, no, I think I would give it sun because that was such an important thing at the end when we see everything in daylight. 
that mm-hmm. the, the contrast, like the sunlight actually and the light of day did play a big part. So maybe sunlight... In the light of day, things don't always look as they seem. Yeah. So and sunlight, also, life, not definitely. Life. Not life. No, there's no life. Well, no, but that's the, it, the There's point. literally loads of death. Yeah, though, so I think, I think that... Oh, you're seeing the absence of life. Yeah. Spirit, because they're it. all in the realm of the spirit. Because <laughs> they're all dead, aren't they? I don't think I would count spirit. I would say... What did we say? Nature, because they roll around in like mud. Sun, life. I think... They roll around in mud, don't they? In nature. You you find mud in nature. Harmony, again, like the lack of, because this is a group of people and it's all about the interactions between them. Why don't we say four out of six and the rest of this is is sort of ridiculous, I think. So we'll leave it there. Life, sunlight, (laughs) harmony, and... Perhaps nature, because it was the, the, the what brought them all together was this storm, the was storm. this hurricane, good, and it is like human nature as well. The way what? they kind of just went off on a absolute rampage. The point of the movie is, is storms don't last forever. Oh Suri. God, Suri. Christ alive! So Suri. you've given it four bars. That is red, yellow, green, and blue. God knows why you've given it blue for harmony. Well, I think like the um, a- the absence of harmony. I think I'm I'm going to 100% agree with you both on colours and on numbers. I really enjoyed this movie. I also I love a 90 minute movie. Like I I don't think there are enough of Very those. Nice. Everything is yeah. two and a half hours long. Yeah. It's, it's not take too the long. Piss. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, exactly. A solid solid movie. This one we enjoyed. Very yeah, good. I we love found it fun. a motion picture that feels familiar in a nice way. Doesn't reinvent the wheel. Don't need to but also is realistic enough and different enough that you are just going through this as if I've never seen this before. Mm. I mean, I'm, you know, we did obviously spot the ending, perhaps not as glaringly obvious as something like Shutter Island. Why would you bother with that? I mean, you could see that from a mile away, couldn't you? <laughs> but yes, I liked it. I, I would recommend this. I would probably yeah. watch this again. I'd like to watch this with someone who's never seen it to see if uh, they would also plot spot it. Maybe we'll get someone simple round. <laughs> Shah. <laughs> No, because she always looks up the endings of films because she gets afraid in case there's oh, a jump she's scare. a little cheat. It's really, really frustrating. She's looking terrible. Have you seen her? <laughs> we, once, we once downloaded a digital copy of a film and Olympia actually edited the titles, a title card out with that. a different name before we watched it. So, so she, she couldn't, couldn't Google the ending to the film. Yeah. That's the level Excellent. Of Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We are now a newly, fully independent podcast, and we do need your support to continue to be able to do what we do here. If you enjoy these episodes, we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join our queer movie club where we do watch-alongs on our Discord each month. We're going to be doing a Halloween listen-along if you're listening to this before the end of October 2023. But at other levels, that's the bare minimum of what you get as a patron. You can also get lists of our movie recommendations and monthly newsletters of all of the gay shit that we found on the internet. Limp Nova, thank you so much for co-hosting with me. That's so lovely of you. Where can everybody find you on the internet? Um, If you head over to youtube.com forward slash Novimpia, all of our socials kind of spiral out from there. But thank you so much for having us. We we had a good time. It's been an absolute delight. I'm going to go make some ties now. Oh, I don't believe a word you're saying. But thank you so much for coming anyway. Thank you again to Jennifer and Toby who are supporting us on our highest tier on Patreon. It really makes a difference to us. Make sure you follow and subscribe to us on the podcast so that you're notified of our next episode 
we have been Jazza John. Oh, Olympia. And Nova. Oh. Amazing. And we're edited by Sparkles. Thank you so much, my Dolens. You'll hear from us very soon. Toodaloo. Bye-bye.